0: welcome to another episode of how real estate changed my life and uh, my name is Kyle McCall the reason I started this podcast is because I was just I heard too many people with misconceptions of real estate and what it involved and and why they couldn't get into it or why they shouldn't get into it and and I just put this together because I wanted people to understand. understand there's no hidden agenda I just want everybody to understand what the opportunities are with real estate and that it's not as difficult to get into as people think. Now everybody's got a different story. Now I've got one today with Sutter. I think you have a great story to tell too. I mean, we've yeah. met because we've got, you know, your client, but I think you've got a good story because you're in a different state. You're out in California and we're in Texas. Yep. So I'd love to visit with that, but l- let's get started. Tell us a little bit about you and how, how you or your family got involved with real estate to begin with.
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh, thank you so much, Kyle, for having me. I appreciate it. So my story kind of starts with, with really entrepreneurship. Um, so kind of being a young kid, I feel fortunate that my parents put me in the right direction of, mm-hmm. of kind of managing my own businesses and, and being an entrepreneur. So that first opportunity came, let's see, when I was probably about 12 or 13 years old. Um, we had a little bit of land and my dad had an idea, hey, let's buy some cattle and let's put it on our land and you kids are going to run it. So myself, uh, my sister, who was a year younger than me and my little brother. So we ran this small little cattle company and uh, we started off with about 20 head of cattle and we sold about 15 of them to auction after eight months after they got to the right weight. And then we kept five, and our job was to market it around families in our local area. And so, at a young age, it you kind of taught me a little bit about, about sales, marketing, talking to people that are much older than I was. And um, you know, I, it was it was a great experience for me to to kind of become my own man at a very yeah. young age and learn about business, learn about finances, and and managing something. And so. That was kind of the first itch, which started with entrepreneurship. And then I'd say that kind of led into real estate when I was probably eighth grade and my parents had bought three rental properties in Concord, California. And these properties cal- were dis- disgusting. Like They're you walk great, into them- I love them already. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you've probably had a few properties like that's, that. Uh, that's what I like. guys. Uh, that's what I go by. Yeah. I mean, it's like rat crap everywhere mm-hmm. in the corner and and the cabinets are falling off their hinges and the paints chipped. and. So it was really a dilapidated kind of falling apart building that that needed an upgrade and so I remember being very fortunate to be kind of a part of that process and and helping with the demo and helping wherever I could be. I don't know how much value I was mm-hmm. providing them, but um, digging holes for the fence and, and being on site with the contractor for an entire summer. So and going to collect rent with my father. And it was a really fun experience for me. And that was kind of my first initial introduction to real estate. And then fast forward to college, once again ha- had an opportunity to kind of manage a property. My parents, I went to school in San Luis Obispo, a school called Cal Poly, which on the Central Coast of California. And I thought it was a pretty good market to to own real estate in. And so I met with a realtor, and my parents ended up buying a small home that I rented out to my friends. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of act as the property manager and and understood at a small level what it took to manage a property. Mm -hmm. You can imagine there were some challenging moments there. It's a good education. Great, great education. Great education. So um, that's kind of how it started. And then I knew that Right after I graduated college, all I wanted to do was was own my own property and go through this process on my own and do it on my own. And so I had that opportunity when I graduated college. It was 2020, and I started working for a company called Grocery Outlet, a fantastic grocery retailer on the West Coast. And I was a a buyer for them, so kind of finding new inventory and, and negotiating every day. But on the side, I knew I still had this burning passion to do real estate, and I wanted to to do it on my own. And so I started looking on Zillow, Redfin, started calling agents. I remember Googling at one point, where are people moving to? Because I heard on podcasts, you you want to invest in a market that uh, sees migration and and sees trends towards population growth. And so Bozeman, Montana was that market for me. Mm -hmm. And so I just started hammering the phones, talking to a lot of different brokers and, and agents. And I met Fantastic woman named Amber Palmerville who found my first deal for me, and um, ended everybody up that listening, deal. that's
0: your that's your agent in Bozeman.
1: That's your agent. That's your girl. She's also a property manager, and she okay. still manages that property to this day, and she does a fantastic job. And so that was the first deal I did. It was a, a you know kind of a cosmetic upgrade: new floor, new paint, uh, new cabinets, new appliances. So I think I spent like thirteen thousand on that uh, renovation, and then got it rented out at market rent. And so, gosh, I, I know you know the feel feeling but after doing that first deal it was like what have i just discovered this is mm-hmm. amazing and so i wanted yeah. to go back and do it's it addictive. again and again and again it is addictive yeah so that was a uh, that was the first deal that i personally had done and after that point it was how do i do the next one and it's hard to find a good deal it mm-hmm. is not easy and i remember listening to a lot of podcasts reading books and about creative financing and how to find an opportunity to to that's a good deal that has a value on it and that was off market, finding off market deals and mm-hmm. writing letters. So, gosh, at one point, still had a full time job at this point at Grocery mm-hmm. but nights and weekends, I was sending, my goal was to send 50 letters a week. And so I did that for a very long time. I think I got up to probably about a thousand letters. You know, it, it didn't work. It was, it was, let's see, I think probably I got four or five properties that um, I had offers in and the person was actually interested in. And I got to go in, and tour the, the house, but it never worked out. But then I got fortunate and found another deal. Exactly a year later, on my birthday, which is pretty cool, uh, in 2021, up in uh, in Redmond, Oregon, uh, it was a duplex, and um, closed that deal. And then, you know, after still being a grocery outlet, doing real estate on the side, I knew that it was it was time for me to leave my my W two job and go into real estate, and it's kind of a big leap. But uh, I made the leap, and I'm happy that I did so. And, and now I'm investing in real estate full time, and it's my my job now. I've partnered with Kyle down in mm-hmm. Dallas, and I'm I'm very happy, and I'm glad I did it. So I'm glad we're um, that's we've, kind of we've met. Long winded answer for you.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad that my team's been able to support you and in, in, in your goals, and and it's fun. We enjoy watching that project come to fruition, and and looking for the second one. But so let's get back to your first Bozeman, and then your I think your Oregon one too. Like, so how did you finance those first? Because everybody has a different story. Some people have family money, some people have hard money loans, some people have traditional financing. What was your story?
1: Yeah, so I, I was very fortunate. So, the first deal that I did, I looked at it, it had a, a price of $300,000. I was like, how the hell am I going to raise $300,000? How am I going to buy this thing? And so, I was fortunate to, I knew that I couldn't just go to my parents with an idea. I had to mm-hmm. go to my parents with a plan of execution. And so, f- for me, that was I'm doing all the research I could possibly do. I'm going to work my butt off, I'm going to create a presentation. I'm gonna create an entire financing model on how this is gonna work, how it's going to create cash flow. And so I did that. And kind of before talking to them, I wanted to come with a plan. So Mm -hmm. I built that presentation and I pitched it to them. My plan at that time was I'm gonna take debt. It was I was at that time, it was like a two and a half or three percent rate because Mm -hmm. interest rates were so low in 2020, 2021. And so I, I pitched that idea to them and they said, Hey, you know, we love it. We love you taking control and, and doing this and go get it And so um, that first deal was was financed through my parents where yeah. they kind of acted as the bank a little bit less risky
0: but they this still they goal. still scrutinized it. I mean it was not just a blanket yeah. like oh Sutter's got a great idea let's just give him some money and then you went to the arcade and played no you it was a business plan yeah. and it was something you put a lot of thought yeah. effort into it and no that that's that's excellent.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So that was um, that's the way that, that we financed that one, and kind of fortunate to to have them in that position. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it was it was still a lot of work, and and I put together a plan on how we're going to execute it. And fortunately enough, it it worked out, and that deal is 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 going pretty well. And that was in 2020, 2021, actually, in, in Bozeman, Montana. And Bozeman's been a, a great place, a great market. And then the second deal was closer to conventional financing, but it was with with Wells Fargo Bank. Oh wow! Um, not using not using my collateral. Mm-hmm. but using my parents' collateral because right. they had a little bit more transaction history than well, I did. Well, banks like them.
0: Yeah. They got the, yeah. the, yep. the experienced so, credit and that such.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So once again, it comes back to to me being fortunate in a fortunate position to to have my parents to kind of lean back on and their guidance, their support. And um, gosh, that, that Redmond property that I bought, which is really close to Bend, Oregon, they also spent a lot of sweat equity on that deal. I remember it was four days in a row we were at that property putting together beds. We, it was an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. On it's a duplex Airbnb on one side, and then it was a long-term rental on the other side. And so we furnished that Airbnb in about four days. That's quick. Three bedroom, two baths. So it's it was quick. And it was 100 degrees that week. And it was uh, dead of the summer.
0: Yeah, I didn't and realize it got that hot got, up there.
1: I know. I think it was just a rare week of, of getting to 100 degrees. <laughs> it's no Dallas, but um, it happened to be the week we were furnishing it. And so they were really nice to to be dragged along throughout that process and mm. finding things on Facebook marketplace and driving 45 minutes to go pick up a bed. So yeah. it was uh, it a good time. But times. that's a
0: good memory too. That's a good memory. Oh,
1: 100%. Yeah.
0: So that one, you said you had short-term rental and long-term on that. Is that still the case? And how's that gone? And like you live in California, but you got these properties yeah. in other places. What has that experience been like too? You know, at
1: first it was, it was a question that my parents had in that initial presentation mm-hmm. of Sutter, you are in California this is in Montana. How, how are you going to manage that? And it's really hiring a good team. It's hiring a team like McCall Property Management in Texas. It's hiring someone like Amber Palmerville out in, uh, in Bozeman, Montana. You can't do it without somebody that's boots on the mm-hmm. ground. I would talk to her daily, especially during that, the renovation stage, talking to her daily, almost a couple of times a day. On, um, on figuring out what the prog- what the process is, what the progress is, how's it going. So it's constant communication. It's trust in your team and the person that you have that's boost on the ground there. And she was someone that I could trust and I knew I could trust her. And she had a good kind of contractor handyman who helped with the entire process. And so I, I'd say that's kind of how I did it. I flew up there to go look, look at the property before I closed on both of them. That kind of gives you a little bit more confidence on, on what you're doing, but it's uh it's kind of managing from afar, which is, is possible. And, and we're fortunate in this day and era to have Zoom and, and yeah. efficient phone communication. So uh, 20 years ago, it might've looked a little different, but fortunate now with, with kind of modern technology.
0: Yep. I, I don't know the number, but we have a significant percentage of our clients are out-of-state clients or out-of-country. And it's, yeah. you know, fortunately today, like we can Zoom, we can email call every they hop on pl- dfw is a really cheap place to fly into comparatively to other places so it's been kind of nice in that regard for sure. my market now tell us yeah. you know you, I know what people don't know about where you're at now so you, you took another step and you went beyond a duplex and and you're into other things so tell us about that yeah yeah of course so
1: um I guess rewind when I left grocery outlet and I was kind of doing this on my own my father also left he was a grocery as well. And um, he left. So him and I together, uh, we started a company called Five Bar Enterprises based in Lafayette, California, and we're doing it together. And so I remember, I mean, there's a lot of work at everyone that probably listens to your podcast, know how much work there is in in closing a deal and doing a transaction. And so for me, it was, hey, when I close a deal on one single family or one just one unit, um, it's a lot of work. If I close a deal and it's 24 units or 30 or 40 or 50 units, pretty similar to the same amount of work. But you're getting a little bit more out of it, and so for me, it was we can scale this thing. Let's let's take a step up to the next level, and let's do a multifamily asset. You know, at this time before we made a leap, before I even made an offer on any multifamily property, I heard a quote in a podcast, and it was imperfect action beats perfect inaction. Yeah, and that rung with me, and and like it gave me chills. I remember, like like just that that quote having a big impact on me, and it doesn't just go. Find the deal. Know that it's a good deal throughout your finances. Trust the process. Hire good people around you, and you will figure it out. Yes, there are going to be problems, there are going to be complications, but I believe that if you're going to have analysis paralysis, you're never going to get a deal done. So it's go in there, imperfect in action, beat perfect inaction, and just go and do it. And so we went and just did it. We bought a 24 unit um, apartment in, in Dallas, and um, it was a labor of love, and it was a lot of work. 24 units that we had to rehab. I think. We've done 18 of them so far, and uh, we've partnered with with Cal's wonderful team in Dallas, and we've flown out there pretty much once a month, talked to uh, their their construction team daily, and um, now we're looking for another one. Um, We've kind of identified another property um, that's even bigger than this next than the Carol Ann, which is 24 Mm -hmm. units. This one's going to be much larger, but I think this is the way you learn: is continue pushing yourself, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, and um, that's kind of what we've done. So once again, I, I feel blessed to have my, my father and, and my mother, who's also an expert in interior design and, and kind of the design eye. Um, she's also been very helpful and, and been out there a couple of times. So having my family there for me and, and helping me and us with this entire process has been truly remarkable.
0: You know, the whole gist of this podcast is how did real estate change my life? And, you know, I've got a great story. You have a great story. Everybody does. I just heard something for the first time where your dad left corporate world too, to go in and do this with you. So do you think real estate? Like you doing that first deal in Montana gave him inspiration or a vision to what might what y'all are doing now. Do you think you helped guide his? Yeah, that's life a good direction. That's a good question.
1: Um, you know, I think it was him inspiring me to kind of go and do it. So it was really him that I, I can thank for that. Um, but I think that once I started to do my own real estate thing, and he knew that his time he had been at Grishal for a very long time and had a, a good career there. Um, he was there for 25 plus years. And so I think it was kind of the next chapter for him in his life. Mm-hmm. And um, with my passion and um, and kind of wanting to to do real estate, I think it was kind of the perfect intersection and perfect timing mm-hmm. for, for me leaving and and him to, hey, what's my next gig going to be? You know, Sutter has, has been able to find a couple good deals. Maybe we can continue getting lucky and <laughs> finding a few more. So I think the timing just kind of worked out perfectly. And I don't think I inspired him. I think it was more h- him inspiring me.
0: Well, he, he... Encourage you to go in a direction that you knew that that you've proven works. So it's funny that you mentioned you know working and then leaving a job and then now you're doing bigger. That's one kind of small reoccurring theme that I've heard through my conversations with other real estate investors is man, when they got a little bit going and they were doing okay and they quit their job and then they focused on uh, and their their business just skyrocketed in every single instance. I want you to listen to a. a one of my podcasts with Ryan Swift, he retired at 40, yeah. but he didn't. He just went, he went all in, but on real estate. And every time I'm turning around, he's, got, he's knee deep in another project. And he's just like, man, I got like all these projects at one time. And it's just because he didn't have time when he had the corporate job. And now he does, even though he still considers himself retired. He's not. He's, it, he's doing real estate, but he's living his life.
1: It's not work. It's not work if you love it
0: every day. I know that I, that's my thing is like I wake up every day and I, I really thoroughly enjoy everything I get to do. and, And the people, The thing is, I love the people I get to visit with. Like I get to visit with you. I get to visit with all these other successful or people that want to be successful in their. And maybe it's not even in real estate necessarily always, but I get to visit with amazing people. And that's one thing I love about real estate. You meet some really amazing people. I don't want to say it's because you're thinking outside the box, but it's because you're taking action and control of your future. And so many people just, you know, they stay at Grocery Outlet forever. It's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but there's so much more opportunity
1: yeah no 100 um, percent it's it's kind of easy to fall into that that corporate rut and mm-hmm. you know I was there for a few years and at, at some points it was like, oh maybe I'm comfortable and and I'm doing this thing and I could just stay here and it wouldn't hurt and see what happens but at the same time I, I knew that would have driven me crazy and I had to go and do something mm-hmm. about it and every day i I'd, I'd, I'd had dreams about it. That's mm-hmm. how you know this thing's serious when you're having dreams about it. Yeah. And um, no, you're you're so right. And I think that people in real estate are like-minded. Um, they they have similar personalities and the go-getter kind of mm-hmm. spirit and that burning in their stomach. And I knew I had that. And I knew when I met other people in real estate, I can feel that same kind of drive that they mm-hmm. have. And it kind of it pulls you together, which I 100 percent agree with.
0: I may have to have one of these days when you're in DFW, I'm gonna have to have a How Real Estate Changed My Life podcast meet up so you can meet some of these other gentlemen that have been on. And because I think that'd be an amazing group to get together with because everybody's doing completely different things, but they're all yeah. the same at the same time, but they all have the same gut, I guess, is the way to kind of put it and the, the, the same yeah. mindset and everything.
1: Yeah. It's a it's a drive and enthusiasm and, and just energy around it. Like I wake up every day and I'm excited to go and, and do work and think about real estate all day. It's mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a job. So
0: I'd love to meet them. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you tell somebody that's thinking about real estate, not doing it, but just thinking about it? What would you tell them? What guidance would you say was worth wait for you? Like, what what, what would you tell them? I
1: would say maybe start with kind of the education. You know, listen to as many podcasts as you can. Read read books about it. Rich Dad Poor Dad is yeah, a book. Like everybody, like I
0: want everybody that there's no hidden agenda with my podcast. I want everybody to have all the resources. So yeah. you know, talk about. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, talk about your podcast that you like. Tell me the names.
1: Yeah. So uh, Bigger Pockets, that was one where that got me really, really involved in real estate. I actually, I had an internship my sophomore year of, of college. I'm working for a real estate company. We did retail broking, uh, brokerage in San Francisco, and they told me about Bigger Pockets. And so I listened to it on my bus ride, uh, my train ride home every single day. And that's where it started kind of that that passion. I was like, damn, this is cool. Like That guy's doing it. He just quit his job. He could do this. And so that's where it kind of started um, and that excitement in my heart started fluttering. Um, I would say that if you're interested in getting into it, I'd say educate yourself as much as possible. Read books about it. Listen to podcasts about it. Bigger Pockets is great. Calvin McCaw's podcast is wonderful. Learn about it. And then I'd say just go in and do it. I've mm-hmm. talked to a lot of people who are on the fence about it. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I have a full-time job. I'd say just kind of stop creating excuses and go and do it. Perf- imperfect action beats perfect inaction yeah. and figure out a way to, to finance the deal. Get creative. If you to do seller financing, do seller financing. Find a market you feel comfortable in. Learn every single thing about that market, about that area, about the comps. Meet with people. Just go out and go do it because mm-hmm. if you keep talking about doing it, you're not going to get something done. Yeah. Never do it.
0: And that's the thing is like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like, So let's Let's talk this out. So, your Bozeman property, what's the worst thing that would have happened when you bought that? The worst?
1: I couldn't get it rented out. Uh, There was a flood. Uh, The roof goes in. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, there's some bad things that could happen, but you have insurance for that reason. Yeah. Right. You have a property manager who is good at her job and you Mm -hmm. have to trust her to get it leased for you. Yeah. Yeah, So, you kind of walk through all the scenarios in your head and it keeps you up at night and it stresses you out, but trust that process Mm -hmm. and trust the team that's around you and trust your numbers and your due diligence that you spend a lot of time on and be confident in that deal and start small. You don't have to go to a big multifamily property. Start on a $200,000 small single family home in Alabama or somewhere. You, you know, you don't have to be in your backyard either. That's the thing I tell people is when I first started getting, getting started and I was in San Francisco, California, I looked around at real estate prices and I was like, how the hell am I going to afford? The cheapest thing here is like $500,000. How am I going to afford to buy a property at you know, that price? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be in your backyard. You can go wherever to do this. It's just create that team, set up your structure and go out fly out there and do a trip and and
0: get boots on the ground to kind of understand that market. Take a vacation that you can write off on your taxes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh what did everybody else think about? It? So obviously you had supportive parents, but what did, you know, the other folks that you went to college with? What did they think of what did they what did your actions make them think? Did they think Sutter's crazy or Sutter's smart. What what were they thinking?
1: You know, I think it was a little bit of, wow, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're used to this. We've seen this before. Okay. Um, I, I've definitely been someone that's kind of impulsive and I have an idea and I want to go, go tackle that idea and I'm going to go full swing into it. Um, so my roommates were like, wait, 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 what did you just say? You bought a house? Yeah. What you're not living? You're living in an apartment right now. What do you mean you bought a house? Oh no, no, I'm I'm renting out. It's a rental property. This is an investment opportunity. You know, so they're just asking kind of the questions that people don't understand real estate. Ask, mm-hmm. and um, I guess it was kind of a lot of confusion from my direct friends, and then for the most part, I didn't want to talk about it because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be the 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 guy who's you know 22, 23 years old, and I have a rental property. I just didn't want to have that stigma or mm-hmm. or have people asking those questions. So I, I didn't really talk about it that much. Talked about the people that were, that I knew had an yeah. in real estate and were interested in real estate. And and I love talking about it, but yeah, I'd say it was, people thought I was a little bit crazy.
0: Yeah. By not talking about it, cushioned you from the negativity or the, not, I'm going to say negativity, but the stereotypes that they already hold that yep. they don't understand sure. all of the pieces. But when you talk to people that are in the business and they're doing it, you want to talk to people who have been there, done that. And I think you've done a, obviously a great job of doing that.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, Definitely a sensitive kind of subject, so I, I kept it myself and and tried not to to talk about it as much as possible, unless I'm with someone like I said that's in real estate and, and understands it. And yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of did something similar. I stayed under the radar a lot until I, I was comfortable. I guess you could say. You know, we talked a little bit about your wins, but tell us the things that haven't worked out. Have you had anything that hadn't worked out yet? I know, just even were you having a 24 unit. Of- apartment complex. I'm not in the weeds on that side of the business, but I'm sure not everything went perfect. So wh- where were some things in your experience so far that haven't gone as planned on your properties?
1: That's kind of the definition of real estate right there mm-hmm. is, is dealing with challenges pretty much daily. It's not going to go according to plan. A couple di- direct examples on that, that deal is, our HVAC system went out. And mm-hmm. when I say our HVAC system, it's not just one unit out of the 24 units because it's not individually metered or individual uh, HVAC systems. It's a central chiller boiler system. So when the system goes out, your entire 24 units go out. And let me remind you, this was actually in August in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't been to Dallas, Texas in the summertime, it's very hot. So you have not just one tenant complaining, but you have 24 tenants complaining, and. It actually, it went out right before we got a, um, so it's something I haven't talked about yet, but we have a a rental arbitrage kind of model where we take people who furnish Airbnbs Mm -hmm. and they have a master lease with us as the owner. And they sign a lease for, call it $200, $300 above our long-term conventional market rate. And they're paying us a little bit more. And then they take a spread on getting at least on nightly rates, or maybe they do a week stay or they have a midterm stay, but my point is they had just moved oh, in yeah. and they moved into four units and they were excited about it. And guess what happened? Well, the HVAC went down. And so they didn't have any AC. So they're really uncomfortable. They have Airbnb clients canceling. And so the stress that they were under, I felt even more because I have other tenants because they're complaining. So it's just it was a perfect storm it was a stressful few weeks and you know it didn't actually resolve itself within a day we had four or five phone calls a day with our, our contractors and we were trying to get it resolved and it was one solution oh it's working now and then an hour later it would go down again oh, it's not working anymore let's try another solution. So we upgraded our electrical panel. We fixed and replaced a water pipe. We tried all these different solutions and finally one of them stuck and it worked. And Now it's it's perfectly fine. It's working again. And actually it's funny. I got a call this morning or I got an email this morning that says the heater doesn't work (laughs) in that same building. So
0: yeah, I think I turned my heater on for the first time. Recently. So yeah, that's it's there's so many benefits of having a multifamily property. And then there's a couple of little things like that that, yeah. that that kind of make it tough. Hundred And then those but, are the ones that go in the news, like, oh my evil landlord cut off my AC. No, it yeah. went down just like everybody else's. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And it
1: is it's it's stressful, but it's a learning opportunity as well. And on my next deal, we're gonna avoid buying a central HVAC system. We're gonna yeah. look for something that's individually metered and in individual systems. So you know everything in in real estate. Everything you do is you're going to learn a lot more from what you fail on than what you succeed on, and you have to look at failure and, and challenges actually as a as a fortunate opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's hard at the time when you're frustrated, but yeah. you look back on it and and it all happens for reason. And well, we l-
0: we learn from everything, and so that property. They're all one-bedroom units, correct? If I remember right, there or pretty much. Yep. So, and just the mm-hmm. way that building's structured that that central system, it just is what it is. That's the way it was back then, and you don't see those as common on most of the properties that we manage that are multifamily because they each have their own individual systems, which makes sense. But when you add up all the systems, Mm -hmm. it probably is more expensive for the system. But you can also separate the utilities a lot easier. There's a lot Mm of a lot lot of benefits. So I can see why you'd want to go separate systems. But on the next one, if there's one, you're like, hey, let's negotiate a either a new system or something like it. So you learn from everything. Like it's all everything we do, we learn. And it's Mm -hmm. not a loss. It's just it's a a learning opportunity. And I think that's the other thing is people always think you win or you lose. No, I mean It's all an education. Mm -hmm. It's all, this is all a game and we're playing these chips and we just have to reinvest our chips. Like where do we reinvest our next chips and going from one to the next, Mm -hmm. the next. It's not, it's not the same as working a regular job. Like this is a game. We're playing chess. That's a good, that's a good
1: analogy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Very true.
0: So have you talked to any of your friends into buying anything yet?
1: Actually, yes. I know this is something that, this is somebody about two years ago who we were in the same fraternity together and we went to school together and a really good buddy of mine he has for the last year and a half, ever since I bought that first one, he's been he's been wanting to buy one and he, he sent me so many deals and a lot of his underwriting. And I keep telling him, Hey man, you just gotta go put an offer in. Go do it. Go mm-hmm. do it. And he just closed on a deal. Nice. Um, last week, and I'm super, super happy for him. It's in Austin, Texas, and all right, right um, road. He, He's crushing it, and so I don't think it was my doing that that convinced him because he was always convinced. He always wanted to do it, but uh, it's fun to fun to see some. Well,
0: other when you have a when you have a friend that well, when you have a friend that's gone that trailblazed for you to show that you could do it. Yeah, he was going to do it anyway, but now it's just like our circle of friends. Now I can go to somebody and say, Hey, this is what you did. How did you? What should I do? And I think you he probably executed better and faster than he would have without you, yep. right? Oh,
1: yeah. No, I totally agree. And it also makes it a little bit less scary and a little more palatable because you know, you're the first person to do that deal. You don't have any other friends to go to to talk about it with, which is actually not true at all because I did have a lot of mentors. In my in my uh, before ever buying my first deal, a couple of people that I that I got to talk to and, and kind of understand how they did it. But no, it makes it a lot easier. They've done it before. You can go to them with questions. They've you know seen everything in the inspection report. Tell you what not to worry about, what to worry about. Um, so those those people, those mentors are, are invaluable and and one hundred percent necessary to have. You were asking about kind of advice. Another piece of advice that I would say is make sure one hundred percent you have a mentor. You have somebody that has done this before that you can go to and. And talk to them about the process, and make sure that um you know you're not getting ripped off, or or at least that you can bounce ideas off of them, and they'll give you some some sound advice. Which I was fortunate to have one thousand percent during my investing career.
0: Yeah, and and you took all the classes in college and university, and 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 got all the book knowledge, but they didn't teach you any of this in school. Like this is all you had to get nope. this outside. That's good. Yeah,
1: absolutely not. I was an agricultural business major, if you can believe that. And well, so, that's a, great, a lot of my. I-
0: so, I went to AM, Texas yeah. AM. So, that's a big degree there, too. But I was surprised that's a very versatile background degree to have. It's very broad. So, there's a lot you yeah. can do with it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with uh, the grocery industry, I thought that maybe that's what I wanted to go in and do. And ag business was the best major that I could get into with my, my GPA in, in high school, which was very average. And um, ag business, I met a lot of great people. And, I definitely learned some good skills there but like you said not a lot of it translated to real estate i'd say mm-hmm. that the best and most valuable aspect was the people that i met and mm-hmm. just kind of working on on your people skills and developing relationships and and uh that was very valuable for sure but the book stuff maybe a little bit less so yeah. to translate to real estate but I, you, you can learn that on youtube and yeah. through podcasts and by uh by trial and error
0: no oh, good i appreciate that uh advice so um I don't really have a whole lot else. I mean, I think I've, I've kind of drug it all out of you, but I do want to hear what's your next big, okay. So you're going to do one more apartment complex, probably down here. Where's your Mm -hmm. big, where's Sutter in, uh, 2030. So this is something that you know my
1: dad and I in, in our business five bar we've talked a lot about and um, right now, now it's kind of about diversifying our portfolio and and not putting all of our eggs into one basket basket and you know we do believe in Dallas we think that there's a huge influx of, of people moving there there's population growth there's rent growth it's a very strong uh, diverse job force so Dallas we love it we're mm-hmm. gonna continue investing in Dallas but at the same time I think we're gonna start spreading out into multiple different asset classes. Um, We've invested in a few funds, storage. We've done a storage deal where we've done a mobile home park and storage kind of fund uh, mixed together with multiple asset, multiple properties. And so I think it's going to be continuing to grow our real estate company, continuing to operate. I love being a general partner on these deals. I love to own it. I love to operate it. I love to be the one that's in control and, and dealing with that property. So I think it's continuing to find good uh, at a value deals in Dallas and other markets similar. By 2030, hope to have a, a portfolio that's up to 500 units is the goal. So you know, I know that's going to take a lot of hard work and determination, but I think we have that and um, I'm ready for it. I'm excited and, and I love it.
0: All right. Good. Well, that's good to have a growth Plan in mind. So basically, the whole gist of this whole podcast and interview was because I wanted people to understand how real estate changed your life, and I think you've done a good job of presenting that and 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 how people could progress. So I want to thank you for coming on, sharing your story, and always let's let's do another one in the future. But I do think we should do a meetup group with with all the folks that have been on on, on those podcasts. I think I think a lot of everybody would love that. I think having a good time, yeah, sharing stories. I think that's
1: a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Um, hey, well, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. And uh, yeah, looking forward to listening to more of your podcasts and seeing you out in Dallas next
0: time I'm there. All right. Well, thank you, Sutter. And uh, again, thank you and look forward to everybody tuning in for the next episode also. Thank you.